0: Not everybody is going to heaven. There's some people that have given their life to God, not accepted him, but given their life to him. And then there's some people that haven't. And if you have and you've built your life on Jesus, heaven is your destination. And if you haven't, you're tripping over Jesus to get to church. Rejection is rejection, no matter what the rejection looks like. There's not a gray area. Either we give it to him or we don't. Partial rejection is rejection. 95% giving your life to Jesus is still rejecting Jesus. It's all or nothing with him. And he says some people won't give it all and they'll fall over him and they'll be crushed. They stumble, listen to this, by disobeying the message. They were destined for this. Is God surprised by who's going to end up in heaven and who's going to end up in hell? No. Before creation, he knew where you would be. You may be surprised, but God shall not be, right? They stumbled by disobeying the message. They were destined for this. And then he speaks to the church, the, the church, right? Like not the people in the building today, but the people who have built their life on Jesus. This is the people today who he's speaking to. Can I just say today, I want to be in this group. Anybody with me? I want to be in this group. This is the group I want to be in. And if that means I got to give up some things, don't I still want to be in this group? If that means I have to make it about something other than I'm just going to show up and check the box, don't I still want to be in this group? At the end of the day, right, I either want to be with Jesus or I don't want to be with Jesus. It's either worth it or it's not worth it. And to me, it's worth it. I don't always reflect that it's worth it, but I'm always trying to. Can I, can I just say that again? Rewind. Let's pull that back. Because some of you have already heard if I'm not perfect, I'm going to hell. That's not what I'm saying this morning. Where is the direction of your life pointed? I just said earlier, right? People fall. That's how we learn to walk. You're gonna fail. You're gonna fail. You're gonna fail. You're gonna fail. Then you're gonna walk for a while, and you're gonna fail. Then you're gonna walk for a while, then you're gonna fail. And one day you're gonna run, and you're gonna fall, and then you're gonna run farther, and you're gonna fall, and you're gonna get beat up, banged up, bruised up. You're gonna look like you've been through the mess if you make it to heaven, right? The way is narrow and difficult that leads to life. The road is broad that leads to destruction, right? It's paved and it's got 14 lanes. If life is easy and following Jesus is easy, you probably aren't. So I'm not saying today that if you mess up over and 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 over over again, you're going to hell. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, where are you aimed? I want to please Jesus. I may fail at that every day, but am I aimed at it? If you've given up, you're probably on the wide road, right? I I want to know God and I want to be known by God. Is that where my life is aimed? Because if it's not and I've given up, I might be on the broad road. If Christianity is easy for you, you're probably dead. Because it's not meant to be easy. It is a struggle to follow Jesus. That's why he uses words and images like the cross. Take up your cross. Die. It's not easy. The road is narrow and it's bumpy and there's holes in it and the bridge doesn't have all the boards that leads to life. It's a hard path to follow Jesus. You may fall every day. You may feel like the biggest sinner in the world. What does Paul say? I'm the chief among sinners. He says that, right? My life is so jacked up, but thanks be to God. It's not about where I'm at. (laughs) It's about where I'm going. It's about where I'm aimed. And that's the people he's talking to. He says, but you, church, you, people that have built your life on Jesus, you, who who your life's fallen apart, but you're still struggling to follow him. You, people, you are a chosen race. This is what God says about us. We can never live how God intends for us to live until we see ourselves how God sees us. This is what God says about his people, about his church, about people that are like us who had no claim to God. This is what he says. You are a chosen race. I have race up there, I'm pretty sure. Is race a definition I got back there? It's coming. There we go. Race is just a group of people sharing the same culture, history, language, etc., an ethnic group. Race is what? A group of people. With a, with a commonality, with a common characteristic. For some, we think a race is like a black and white thing, right? Or black, white, brown, there's probably more. In Kentucky, there's blue people. I found that out the other day. Um, it's real. You can Google that later. Not right now. We're listening to the Word of God. Um, but <laughs> it's a true thing, right? Like we, d- we define race by skin color a lot of times. But it's not necessarily just a skin color thing. It's, it's a, it can be a language thing. It can be a culture thing, it can be a history thing, it can be a skin tone thing, Um, and we let race divide us a lot of times, right? Like I'm different from them. Do you know genetically there's not really any difference between you with your skin color and somebody with a different skin color? Do you know that? There's no genetic marker for skin color. I found that out the other day. I didn't know that. There's no little thing in your in your DNA that's like you're going to be black or you're going to be brown. That's that's just not what it is. They don't even know what causes that. And and there's more difference in in some uh, black people or white people than there are sometimes between a black person and a white person genetically. Isn't that cool? we want to use that to divide us it's such a stupid thing right like race is not it's not meant to divide us it's just it's just who we are it can be a good thing H- culture is awesome history is awesome language is awesome uh, and what it's saying here is that it's any group of people that have a commonality what God is saying to us as the church is we have a commonality that's greater than our differences, right? We just spent weeks talking about this, right? Like we, we're, we're the church, we're God's people. And, and what we have in common today uh, maybe isn't skin tone and maybe isn't like socioeconomic class and maybe isn't like where we're from and how we talk and how we look. Maybe that's not what we have in common. Actually, I think that's the most amazing thing about the cross is it takes people that look different and act different and talk different and it pulls them together all under one banner. See, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. There's nobody greater and lesser at the foot of the cross there's one person we're looking up to and everybody else is down here that's what the cross does and what God's reminding us of in in that word chosen race is that we have a commonality today that you you have something in common with the person sitting beside you and the person today that you've never spoke to in this room And then that is the cross, and that that cross is a greater commonality. It should bring us together in a way that nothing else can do. See, the, the cool thing is, is we can have commonality with people, right? Like, I like the same TV show as you. Well, what happens when you start not liking it, and I still love it? We have things not to talk about now. See our commonalities can change, but one thing that'll never change is the cross. It's a uniting factor or force in the church. He says we're a chosen race, we're a group of people. But I love this, uh, we're not just a people, we're a chosen people. And I have chosen up there. Chosen is a word meaning having been selected. You are a selected people, having been selected as the best or most appropriate. Isn't that crazy? We're not only a people, but we're a people that God chose or picked out or selected that today you didn't just halfway make it into the room and you didn't just halfway make it into heaven and you didn't just halfway make it into salvation that before there was a beginning of time, God had already called your name. Just like there are people destined to not be there, right? There are people that are destined to be there. And if you're going to be there before there was ever a creation moment, God had already said, man, they're coming home. It's not dependent on what I do tomorrow, if God chose me or not. Before I ever did anything, God looked at the span of my life and the steps I would have and what I would think and what I would do and what I would say, and he still said, I want you. I want you to know today above everything else, if you know Jesus, right, if if you've built your life around that stone, it's not because you first called on God's name, but because God called on yours. That You didn't select or accept God, but God actually selected and accepted you. (laughs) The the, the God of all creation, he looked down and he saw worth and value in you and he plucked you up out of the pit, plucked you up out of your hole and he set you inside of his chosen race. You're not going to make it to heaven on your own. You're going to make it there because God picked you up and he pulled you out. He selected you to be his people. Can I just say today, it doesn't matter how you feel about that. I don't feel worthy. It doesn't matter how you feel. Right? You you as the created don't get to ascribe worth to yourself. It's the creator that ascribes worth. You as the chosen do not get to ascribe worth to yourself. It's the chooser that gets to ascribe worth. And he said today, if he's called you out, that you're chosen and you're valuable and you're his. And today you can live in confidence that tomorrow you're not going to lose that because something you've done. That's a fairy tale. If you lose your salvation, you never had it in the first place. There's not a possibility to lose something that you didn't earn or you didn't gain. I can lose my job because somehow I got it. But I can't lose my salvation because I had nothing to do with the process. The process is all on God's end and I'm totally a recipient of the process. And today, it doesn't matter how you feel about that. It's fact. It's Bible. You come with me later, and we'll talk about it if you have a disagreement there. You don't have to get mad. You don't have to leave. If you can show me in the Bible where I'm wrong, I'll be glad to listen to you. But I'm going to show you where that's not a possibility. God has called you out. He has picked you. You never had a part in the process. Today, you are loved and valued, not because of who you are and what you've done, but because who God is, and he says that you are. It says we're a chosen race. There's power. If I can believe tomorrow when the enemy says you're not worthy, I can look back and say, God says I am. There's power when Wednesday comes, and I'm in one of those moments where I've fallen again, and I start feeling all the shame. If I can stand up and say, God believes in me enough to call me. So with the help of that same God that called me, I'm standing up out of the shame today and I'm going to resume walking towards Jesus. There's power in that. You'll never live how God intends for you to live until you see yourself as God sees you. He says you're a chosen people, but then he goes on. That'd be great if that was all right. Oh, I'm a chosen people. That's great. God loves me. God called me. I'm worthy. That's a good message for some of you today, but it's not what everybody needs. Some of you need to know you're a royal priesthood. Now, priesthood, I think I have priest up there, I have priest up there, is one authorized to perform the sacred rites of a religion, right? Imagine that. You've been called into that today. Especially as a listen to this mediatory agent. As an agent, a mediator between humans and God. Isn't that cool? God has called you out today and He believes that you can do something. He called you into the priesthood. Isn't that awesome? You're a Levite today. Welcome to the tribe. He called you into the priesthood. And that doesn't mean everybody gets to like stand up here and do the thing. Maybe that's your gift. Maybe that's not your gift. Maybe some of you are like, praise God because I don't want to do that. right? But what is a mediator between man and God? It's just somebody who, who, who represents God on the planet Earth. You're a representative of God to those around you. In other words, at home, you're a representative of God. That's amazing to me. At work, you're a representative of God. At school, you're a representative of God. At the Walmart, you're a representative of God. On the interstate, when you get cut off, you're a representative of God. Isn't that amazing? Maybe we're not always good at that. Maybe we didn't even know that was part of it. But here's the thing. As a person who is part of the chosen race, if God has called you out and he's plucked you out, he means for you to be different. And that that difference would be something that would actually permeate your life, not just this place. You're, if your neighbors, the only reason they know you're a Christian is because you disappear for a little while on Sunday, you're doing something wrong. If the only reason people at work know you're a Christian, back up. Nobody at work may know you're a Christian is <laughs> because you have Caleb on your desk, right, or a little footprints in the sand thing hanging up. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. See, it's not just about wearing priestly garments, right? Oh, I got my Jesus fish on my shirt or my car. It's not just about that. Priest act like priests. We are mediators <laughs> between man and God. Isn't yeah, that cool? You ever had somebody come to you, hey, can you pray for me? What about somebody that's not part of the church that said that? What are you being? Mediator. I will speak to God on your behalf. That's what you're being. But here's the flip side of that you will speak to them on god's behalf remember we read that verse this morning let the redeemed of the lord say so we've bought into this lie that we can't say anything about our beliefs because we may get fired well newsflash you didn't get that job and if you lose that job god will take care of you or he'll give you another but B, that people will think we're crazy or they may not want to hear it. Let's just rewind a little bit. It sounds crazy, right? Nobody's going to amen that because you're afraid we'll kick you out of here. It sounds crazy. You teach a creation class. Does it not sound crazy to the world? It sounds crazy to the world. That there's a God out there who, by the way, doesn't have a birthday? That there's a man who, who, who really, he breathed out everything that we've ever seen and stuff that we've never seen in six days. You, you really believe that? You believe the planet is not blah, 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 some made-up fairy tale number billion years old because it's in a science book? You don't believe what this says because some man wrote a book? God wrote a book. He was there for it. Joe Schmoe down at the science thing, he wasn't. And he can't date a rock that he wasn't there to see be birthed because there's nothing to test it off of. But we believe that stuff. It sounds crazy to the world. It's supposed to. You believe that there's a God who chose one people and he followed that people and he was a cloud of smoke and a cloud of fire? You believe there's a God who has power to part the seas? You believe that? That's crazy talk. You believe that there's a God who would send his son into this place and he would, he would be born like birth through a woman that was a virgin? Not biologically possible, by the way. And then, and then he would grow up 33 and a half years and then God himself would quit breathing. You believe that? That's crazy talk. You believe that they would put him in a tomb and three days later, after he would have started decaying, by the way, he would come up out of the tomb. You believe that? That's crazy. You believe that there's a God who's gonna step back into time one day and call all of his people out. You believe that? That's crazy talk. It is crazy, but it doesn't make it not true. We've never seen it because there's nothing else like this God. There's not one other thing like this God. And we try to compare God to things that we know and, 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 and base it off our understanding. If I could understand God, then He's not a very big God. Oh, I can't say anything, they'll think I'm crazy. Who cares? That's what makes it amazing. If it's just oh, the universe just happened out of some big bang. Who started the bang? Science itself teaches you can't have a cause without a, you can't have an effect without a cause, right? Who started the bang? It's God. Everything points to God, and they know it. They'll just never say it because if you have a creator, you owe something to said creator. We cannot allow that to be an excuse for why we do not tell people about this God. They'll think I'm crazy. That's great. Be crazy. Because maybe then they won't go to hell. If you send people to hell because of your comfort, who are you? Who are you? It says we are a royal priesthood that we're a mediator we're God's representative on this planet that we're supposed to communicate with people on behalf of God and and we're supposed to communicate with God on behalf of people that's our job and we are horrible at that job aren't we I'm not asking you to raise your hand so please don't although I think the answer would be the same how many of you told people about Jesus this week most of us couldn't raise our hand probably the same number as we just saw and I told you not to raise it right a horrible priest but God's not taking the role away see God says you can do it right he would have never called you if you were not capable of doing it maybe it's the power of God maybe you're the biggest introvert in the world God can still use you to be the mediator but not only are we a priesthood, we're a what? We're a royal priesthood. Royalty, I think I have the definition for that. I love definitions, by the way. Um, just have to Google stuff, right? Royal is, is to be having the status of a king or a queen. That's not you. Or, here's you, a member of their family. You're not the king or queen. If you're the king or queen of your life, you're lost. Get off your throne and let somebody who knows what they're doing get on it. But you do today have status of a member of the royal family. That God actually sees you as, as a son and daughter of God and you have the rights and privileges of said son and daughter of God. That's Bible. You're a royal priesthood not only has God chosen you called you out he's placed you right in in your family he called you out of nothing and he put you into something and it's the greatest something you are a royal priesthood you you're a son and daughter of God that, that's an amazing thing to me and there's power in that isn't there you don't get evicted from the family because you're bad at being the priest right God believes you can be the priest you, you can grow up to be a little bit more like dad right he placed you in his family, and he believes that you can be a priest. It says that that we're a holy nation. This is what God says about us, people that know Jesus, the church. A nation is just uh, a large... I can see it. You can't see it. I was just waiting until it switched screens. Um, did it frees up on us? I'll just read it. A nation is a large... Um, aggregate that's a big word right of people um, united by common descent history culture or language inhabiting a particular country or territory now we already had one word right we're chosen people that whole top part of the definition is just people again right but look at the bottom inhabiting what a particular country or territory we're a holy nation Now, I'm not talking about USA, right? I love USA. I do. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, There's freedom here. There's lots of good stuff. I love making money. I'm a capitalist, right? I like to spend money, so i got to make money. Like, I'm glad God birthed me here. It's a great place to be. But that's not the nation he's talking about. What's he talking about? Where are we all citizens of? Heaven. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our nation. Heaven is our common stomping ground. And although I've not been there yet, I will go there one day and I will assemble with all the rest of God's people. It reminds us where we are going When God calls us a nation, he's not only saying you're my people down here, he's saying you will continue to be my people there. You're a holy nation. You're my people, and if I know you and you know me, you're headed towards heaven. There's some power in that and reality in that because the holy part is not as easy, is it? I don't think I've sent the word holy. I don't think it's up there, so you don't have to look for it. But holy is just, it's two different things depending on who we're talking about. In talking about God, to be holy is to be other. It's transcendent. What it means is God is not like the rest of his creation. He's the creator. He's above creation, right? He's something different and he can't be witnessed or he can be seen in creation, but he's not part of creation. Now, holy is a hard term for us because we've never witnessed anything that is holy on its own. There's only one being that's holy on his own and that's God. He's above, above, above our expectations. Right? He's beyond, beyond, beyond. The angels sing it. They say he's holy, but he's not just above. He's above, above, above. He's different, different, different. He's something you cannot even imagine. But in context to us, God calls us holy, and it just means that we're set apart for God, that we're meant to be different. We're not meant to look like everybody else. I think we've, again, bought into the lie that as the church, we've got to blend in with everything else. That That's false. If you look like a non-Christian and talk like a non-Christian and act like a non-Christian, you maybe should evaluate whether you are or not. If you look just like your lost friends and act just like your lost friends, well, maybe you're a bigger part of that group than you think you are. Because God calls His people holy. Now, again, it doesn't mean every moment of every day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live outside of the context of everything else. I still deal with this flesh. I was born in this flesh. This flesh has been around for longer years than the spirit man inside of me. And I fight that guy all the time. But here's the key. I fight the guy. I'm just going to act like everybody else. Well, then you're probably lost. I'm not meaning that mean. I love you and I hope you find Jesus. But I will be honest with you. Because I love you and I hope you find Jesus. God calls his people holy. And you may not feel holy today. This week may have been like just a crazy mess, right? We just said 14 times today that you're going to fall and then you're going to get up and you're going to fall and you're going to get up and you're going to fall. It's the direction that we're living in. See, the amazing thing is God calls me holy because I'll never be that on my own. But with God, I have the ability to, to, to live kind of out of these things, to live separate and apart. And when I fail, what it means is there's somebody in my corner that's saying, Brad, you can do this. You know why? Because he that's living in you is greater than him. He's living in the world. The spirit man inside of you, it can overcome the flesh man vessel you're living in. There's hope is what he's saying. There's hope. You don't have to struggle with the same thing for forever one day you're going to be liberated from this body and you'll never struggle with sin again but while we're here we don't have to be defeated by it he says we're a holy nation God says that about you you may not live that way you may not act that way you may not even look that way but here's the thing God is in your corner and he's believing you that you can and then it says that we're a people for his possession I'm not going to go over people but I will go over possession Possession is an item of property, um, something belonging to one. Possession is an item of property. It means that we're God's property today. He's put his little stamp on us today. Really what it means is we belong to God. That if we're God's people, we're a people that belong to God. He's the owner, right? He's the decision maker. He's the decider, but he's also the person who wants us and who's picked us and who's called us and who calls us his, that he's put his stamp on us. This is how God sees us. If you know Jesus today, this is how God sees you. He sees you as a chosen person in his family. He's called you to mediate between man and God and God and man. He just calls you holy. Holy. And he calls you his. That's how God sees you today. If you look down just a little bit in 10, it says that once you were not a people, you weren't born into this. Once you didn't have a place that you belonged, once you weren't a holy people, once you were totally the other side of the coin, and once you were headed towards destruction, but Jesus stepped in, and but God changed not only your destination, but he changed everything about you. And if you're like me, isn't that hard to grab onto? Anybody just, I feel today like a holy nation. Anybody out there? Bless you. I'm glad somebody does. Anybody out there, I feel worthy today. I feel like I got it all together today. I feel like all the love in heaven belongs to me today. Anybody out there feel like that? Because in reality, right, we don't see ourselves this way. I think if most of us defined ourselves and we were honest with ourselves, like sinner would be in the category somewhere. Failure would be in the category somewhere. Worthless on certain days would probably be in the category somewhere. Unwanted would probably be in the category somewhere because we let people determine who we are and we let our, our self determine who we are. We, we let the enemy maybe even determine who we are and we live in that lie. Nobody wants me. Nobody loves me. Nobody needs me. I'm not good for anything. Can I just ask you this? Who are you to determine your value? Who, who's the enemy to, de- to determine your value? Who is that guy? Well, what is he? He's, he's a created being. Just like you and me. He did not get to put value on us. Who's, who's that person in your life that lied to you and told you you weren't good enough? Who are they? Who are they, comparatively speaking? You're a mess up. You're a mistake. Who are, who are they? Maybe, maybe you were taught that early on, right? Like, we don't just get these things one day. We, we are taught these things over time. And in the same way, we're going to have to allow God to teach us over time who we are. That requires that we get in his, in his word, it does. But it also means that we have to bend what we know towards what he says. See, it, does, it doesn't matter how I feel about me. I have a God who created me that says, I chose you because I want you. It doesn't matter if that makes sense to me. I don't see why God would choose me. It doesn't matter. I don't know why God would want me. Who cares? Who cares why he wants you? <laughs> he does. The fact that you're a screw-up didn't change anything because you didn't call God. He called you. It's a perspective shift today, and God is saying to us today, you, you have to take what you've heard and what you've known and what you've learned, and you've got to kick it out because the creator of the universe is stepping in today. And he's saying, when I see you today, I'm looking at you. And when I see you, I don't see who you are and what you've done and what people have said. I don't see any of that. What I see is you're a chosen race. I called you. You're a royal people. You're in my family. You're holy, or you have the potential to be. You, and you're a people that I put my name on. And you get to thinking, well, like, why would you do that, God? And here's the Here's the answer. Because I think some of us are like, so I can go to church or so I can get good or whatever you want to put there. This is what God says. So that you may love that word. It's annoying to some of you because you like ask to go to the bathroom. You're like, can I go to the bathroom? And somebody's like, no, nah, I don't know. Can you? Right? Have <laughs> you ever been there? It's annoying, isn't it? And you, you you maybe didn't, if you're not an English person like me, you probably didn't even get it. So you're like, I, can I go to the bathroom there? Like, I don't know. Can you? I'm, I'm asking you, can I can I go to the bathroom? You're like, I don't know. Can, we played that game for a span before? I'm kind of salty about that. But the reason why I looked it up, a wise man told me this one time, uh, is "can" is an ability word. Can can is a word that, that that is an ability word. So when they say, I don't know, can you? What they're saying is, I don't know. Do you have the ability to go to the <laughs> May is a different kind of word. May is a permission word. Do I have your permission? Right. And it says, "Here's why God calls us these things and why He did that. Here, here's, here's, here's the cross. So that I have permission. So that I may, not that I should or I have to or I can. Right. It's not an ability thing. It's not a. Um, it's not a." God has placed these barriers on my life thing. It's that I have permission to do this, to proclaim, to proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can, can we get proclaim up there? Because this is a game changer today. Proclaim is a word that means to announce, but listen to this, officially or publicly the praises of God. I think some of us in our head have that God has saved us so we may go to church and live a Christian life in private so that we may be really good at singing the worship songs. God, I'm glad that I'm a chosen people, right? Like, like you'll get there if you can see yourself how God sees you. You can worship to Mary had a little lamb if you can see yourself how God sees you, right? Like, like worship's not a song thing, it's, it's a direction thing. I see God and I will respond to God because he's ultimately always worthy of worship. It doesn't matter how I feel or, or what today is or, or it doesn't matter about any of that stuff. It's a direction thing, it's a perspective thing. But God didn't save us so he could have more worshipers. He has legions of angels today around the throne singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He doesn't need our songs. God didn't save us so we could come to church. He doesn't need people to go to church. He's sitting in heaven surrounded by people and angels. He doesn't doesn't need more worshipers. He didn't save us so we could be good people. There are moral people that are going to hell. They don't need God to be moral. He didn't save us for any of those things. He saved us for one purpose, one reason, and this is it, that we may proclaim, that we have permission to proclaim the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into light, that we could announce officially or, let's put, and publicly, the praises of God. When God saved me and he called me these things, he put a story in my mouth. And he said, you have permission now, I believe in you now, that you have, 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 my, have my grant to go out into the street and yell. I was in darkness, but now I'm in light. And it's all because of God. I think we get so wrapped up in, I can't tell people about God because I don't know anything. Well, if you've never been saved, that's true. But you know what the world doesn't need today? Somebody to argue with them. They have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and and coffee breaks. They have people to argue with them. They don't need somebody to come in and be like, let me explain the Trinity and then you'll come to know Jesus. That's not how it works. They don't need somebody to come in and make an intellectual argument that that then they would recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't need that. You don't have to know any of that stuff. What they need is a herald that would step out into the street and step out into the workplace and step out into these places unashamed because we're not living in the power of who I am. I'm living in the power of who God says that I am. And they need somebody that will step up into work in their corner and fight for them and say, you know what, I'm sorry you're going through that, brother. I was in darkness too, but now I'm living in the light and I know there's a God who can do it for you. They need somebody at school who's not going to say, oh, nobody sees me and nobody notices me, but somebody who can step up into their corner and say, you know what? I don't know much about the Bible. I just got into this thing, but I used to be not a people, and God called me in. So I know you don't feel like you belong, and I don't really feel like I belong, but I belong in the kingdom, and God will let you step into that. That's what the world needs, and it's what we're not being And it's because we don't see us how God sees us. We let the enemy say, you can't say that. You're going to look crazy. You're going to look dumb. To which we should respond, I may. But I'm a royal nation. And I'm a holy priesthood. I'm all the things that God says that I am. And I don't care what you say that I am. I don't care what you say and I don't care what they think and I don't care if I get fired because I believe there's a God who loves and who saves and I don't need a house here. I don't need a car here. I don't need money here. I don't need stuff here because I have a God and I'm a citizen of heaven and I'm leaving there. That's what the early church did and that's why they were powerful. He's writing this to a group of people that got kicked out of their homes and kicked out of their cities, a church in dispersion, a church in affliction, a church in persecution. He's writing to those people And he's saying, you keep on being crazy. You keep on being crazy. You may not have anything here, but you're going to be royalty in heaven. You may not have anything here, but your daddy, he paves the streets in gold, and you're going to live there. And the worst thing that can happen is they kill you. And what they don't know is that's the best thing that can happen to you. Because to live is Christ. To die is gain. Man, the only reason I'm still here is because God has a goal and a purpose and a mission for me. I got stuff to do. And when I've done all those things, I want to drag myself beaten and bruised into heaven before the Father. And I want to hit my knees that I've been walking on for years now. Because I don't have the ability and the strength to walk on my feet. And I want to say, you know what? I didn't do it because of who I am I did it because who you say that I am I didn't believe what they said I didn't believe that money can't bring you happiness can we just be honest it's all him Popularity, who cares? It doesn't matter what people say about you. There's a creator in heaven who infinitely loves you, and he's inviting you to be with him. And today, you can have an effect at work. I believe that with everything in me. Those people you've been praying for, who are you waiting on to come share the gospel? I can't do it. No, no, you can, because God says that you can. Who you believe in? Who told you you can't do it? I don't know enough. Who told you you don't know enough? I'm not good enough. Who told you you're not good enough? Who you believe in today? Because what I read is that I am. (laughs) And when we see it, when we see ourselves as God sees us, that is when we'll make a difference. That is when the world will change. When we're playing the game, playing church. We may go to hell, but definitely the people around us will man when we let the father start whispering you go for it today because man you're my son and you're a priest you go for it today because you're my daughter and I've called you out of darkness into light and your story is not who's the trinity your story is who's this God who can save let's pray